0: This is the Power Power hi, hi. Podcast. My name is Sarah of Underground Crowds. We hit Bible topics, book studies, punch out some songs here and there, and light up His Word to strengthen our souls. Thanks for listening. I guess okay, we're on, yes, we going to hit that last part of 1 Timothy chapter 2. Um, I've been reading... little bit in the Greek and whatever and um, I think that stuff is you know awesome Um, and but I also like I'm totally a a lay person right Um, I did go to Bible college but I didn't study I mean I didn't get my degree in uh, theology I got my degree in church ministries and camping ministry. So while we had to take Bible classes, um, I failed them pretty much. Well, I got D's. I could have a conversation with the professor and then totally bomb the test. I could you know, I could track him talking about this stuff, but then totally bomb the test. I'm a horrible, horrible test taker. And I think this guy like prided himself on difficult tests. Anyway... Um, I didn't bomb every systematic theology. I think my, I did better in the summer courses where it was a two-week block, two block course, and I think I got an A or a B in that one. But anyways, I digress. I appreciate the Greek because it clarifies things when you're reading Scripture. But I still go back to the fact that Paul set told us what he was writing it for and that was to restore the specific church back to um its to a proper place as becoming of a christ-following gospel-centered church um And so you might be asking the question, well, if it it was just for a church, why do we we need to know about it? Because are we perfect? That's exactly why we have to read it. Because these problems persist. We, for example, we get off on tangents and whatever is equivalent, equivalent to genealogies. And we start side railing the gospel. Or it's about our brand, or it's about our um, headiness. We know all this scripture, and we and we just use this Bible, and we we do we 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 we. It's all about us at that point. Don't when you're looking for a church, if this church is centered on what pride is centered on, or we are. We're Bible-believing. We don't associate with any of that. And we're we're this and we're that. That's just self-centered. It's prideful. And it's not gospel-centered. Now, if they tell you God's word is what we listen to. The gospel is what we're about. And encouraging others to live out their godly purpose. their, Their purpose through their gifts. This is basically the first chapter of Timothy is what you need to be looking at. And you need, when, you, when you're going to look for a church, you need to find a church that isn't grounded in how special they are, but a church that is grounded in how special Jesus Christ is. That's the little shift there. That's the little... That's the little telltale sign. Um, if they're constantly patting themselves on the back because they they study a certain translation of the Bible, move on. If they're constantly patting themselves on the back because they subjugate women, move on. If they're constantly patting themselves on the back because they they stick to a distinct group. It's only these kinds of churches that we will associate with. This is, a, this is an isolated church. This is, a, this is long lost, the concept of the Great Commission. Go ye therefore in all parts of the world and reach everyone with the gospel. What did the first part of 1 Timothy 2 say? I want you involved. I want you to petition, and to pray, and to give thanks. And I want you to be aware of what is going on around you. To pray, and petition, and to give thanks. So that we can live peaceably in our context. You can't do that constantly running from a conflict. Constantly running from that big bad world out there. Isolating myself with a bunch of rules that don't do anything for salvation. They do nothing. If they did something for, Christ, for salvation, Christ is of no benefit. This is Galatians speaking, not Sarah Varghese. If these rules that you want to keep up did anything for salvation, I'll say it again, why are you professing Christ? So as we're getting to chapter 2, and we're noticing how Timothy, or Timothy, Paul, is creating this vacuum space. I don't need the Greek to see what he's doing. I need to have an understanding of human nature. I need to have an understanding of how women operate when guys aren't supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. They take over. In fact, that's one of the Greek words. They, They control the situation. When it talks about women um, not having authority over men. That's basically, the Greek word is about ruling over the guys. That is not what, that's not what Paul said not to do in this chapter. I'll tell you that right now and in this book. And women, you're not going to be happy. Some of you know this. Some of you know you've tried to control, you've tried to manipulate, you've tried to coerce that man of yours and it just don't work. It's not going to work today. It will not work tomorrow. And Paul, he's an intelligent guy. He knows it's not going to work. Don't do it. So wielding your authority stick over guys Paul is telling us in this chapter to refrain from that. This is not a chapter of never open your mouth. Because we have a great commission. We have a purpose. We have an identity in Christ. We have a purpose on this earth. And that is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. We have one God. It's not our husband. We have one God. We got a thing to do. Paul is completely aware of this. Chapter 1. What we don't have on the cards to do is control all the men around us. That's That's not what we're... And then he further explains this and explains what happened in the Garden of Eden. This is not a bat reared up against women. but we have weaponized scripture. We have wielded it against half the population, against women made an excuse to oppress them. Meanwhile, that same word that's used for oppression, wielding authority over men, is also used for men. And that they shouldn't treat their wives in a controlling fashion. Because what is that controlling spirit really based in? It's not based in the Holy Spirit. Remember the first day we brought up Galatians? Was it Galatians? Fruit of the Spirit. Yep. Six, Galatians 6. I just want to make sure I'm not lying to you because I get my, I get my uh, um, wires crossed. What am I trying to say here? Say it. We will find it. I just want to give you the right verse. What the fruit of the Spirit is. Yep. Galatians 5, sorry. Galatians 5. Through 610, the fruit of the Spirit. That's RMO, the fruit of the Spirit. So Paul goes in there. He's seeing this struggling church. It's getting derailed with this stuff. He should be fixing the fence out there, but he's watching television. Oh, we can get a fence ruffled. It's the same, it's the same scenario. Especially we've told them already. I'm just going to take over, right? Paul knows. Timothy knows. It's a rescue mission. Of this church, in Ephesus. It is counseling is creating the space so the men can step up and lead. This is not a let's bash women session. Except if they wanna cross the line and take over in an un-Holy Spirit way. Cause friend, we are all supposed to operate that way all of us so let's pray it's kind of late lord i pray that you help us understand how how much you love women and how we've totally misconstrued your heart for women your heart for your church paul is for ephesus it should be obvious He's commissioned Timothy to stay. He's written this letter to try to help restore that which is on the verge of breaking and falling apart. Because Lord when we get our eyes off of what they should be on which is the face of Jesus Christ. We can go all manner of routes off the straight and narrow path. There are plenty to take. There are highways and byways, side trails, rabbit trails. But this is a war that we're in. This is a good fight that we're in. This is something you want us to have victory over and you've given us the tools in your word to do it. I pray that you encourage women today, flip this chapter over for women In Jesus' name, amen. So another part of culture, I don't know if you're aware of this, it still applies. We can't just write scripture off. Oh, that's culture. No, no, no. (laughs) No. There is something for you to glean in every word of scripture. It is profitable. It is instructional so that you can be, what, torn down and smashed to smithereens. No, built up in knowledge and truth, built up. So if you're going to scripture, like I did when I was going to first Timothy and I was getting ready to be plowed down, it was me that needed to shift my focus. Because God is purposing to mend what is broken in you. God is purposing to build you up. God is purposing to convict you of sin so that you can be built up. So that you don't have to keep going backwards and sideways and on this trail and against that wall. If we would just understand that God is for us. We would go to scripture like refreshing water. Like a deer pants. Have we heard that? I think we've heard that. Like a deer pants for water. Like our desire for the sweetness of honey. from. We've heard that one too. Honeycomb. That we would not be able to go a day without it. If we knew, if we could grasp what God has hidden for us. Have we heard that one too? Hidden for us in scripture like treasure. Ooh, it's all coming to light. Psalms, Proverbs. Like treasure. We wouldn't miss a day to sit and glean. And to hear, to understand. To allow God to build us up. But we got it twisted. We think God's here to break us down. That's what He's about. And it's the world that gives us reprieve. We got to flip that over. We've got to understand that the longer we stay away from, I remember when I was walking away from the Lord, when I was in high school, I looked over, I looked over at my Bible and I said, I need to read that. But I got it twisted. It was the world that I desired. It was the world that was killing me. It was the world that I thirsted after, that I thought I was going to get reprieve from. Did I ever? No. Did it get darker? Yes, it did. And the farther I went away from the Lord, the colder I got and the less I became what I was supposed to become. I outsourced my identity to everything that passed me by. Every fad, every identity, Oh, it's nothing new. It's nothing new. They've just put names on it. The only identity that you need to be concerned with is the one that your father, creator God, gave you and formed you with. By his very hand, Psalm 139, in your mother's womb. That's the only one you need to be concerned about. That identity is something you should be thirsting for. And you will only find the answers to your questions, looming questions, legitimate questions in the pages of scripture. So one of the things about cultural context here is that a lot of wealth it happens in some cultures even today. Your wealth is displayed on your clothes. Well, seems to be that this turned into a club meeting where everybody just jaunts around and shows off their wealth. Yes, is this about you not braiding your hair? You you may that this is seriously about you not wearing braids at church. No, this is about displaying worldly wealth for other people to see and to think highly of you for. When all we need, as I just said, is the identity that God has given us. Let's read that. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works. As it's proper for woman making a claim to godliness. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. But it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. And here we are, that verse. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. I don't have kids. Am I going to say... There is nothing, nothing like a child giving birth to a child, and I know this is a hot topic right now, but there is nothing like giving birth to a child that will nail you down. And in every good way. Let's talk about this for a minute. And that's basically what it's talking about, because it talks about faith, love, sanctity, and self-restraint. That these are the things that that transpire when you have to raise your kid. Why? Oh, let me count the ways. My kids have stopped me from getting a divorce. My kids have stopped me from taking off. My kids have stopped me from getting deeper into a sin that I did not need to get into. Why? Because all of a sudden, it isn't about me. All of a sudden, I have charge over this little life. My priorities get straight really fast. I can't just run off to bars I gotta feed my babies I can't just do whatever I want in a day just be lazy no I've got kids to clothe I've got laundry to do I've got a house to clean I need to make sure that the environment that they live in is worthy of this charge that I've been given. That's how this happens. And because of this, and because I want to run out, I'm tied in with this invisible rope to my source of strength. And who is that? The man, Jesus Christ. I am tied in through prayer to the one I can go to when I'm struggling with a teenager, right I'm tied in. That's what this verse means. It doesn't mean that if you don't have kids, you're not saved. It means, man, God has given us a way through childbirth to lock us down on what really matters. And I can tell you right now, out of everything, everything, the things I'm going to do, things that I've done, if I can even point at something, the, by far, is raising my kids that I'm most, I'm not done yet, but I'm the most proud so glad I'm not bailed. so glad I'm not run out, so glad I've had them. They are a blessing, a well-rounded, thoroughly thought out, perfectly planned blessing for you if you allow it it's a hot topic right now for God has it for you possibly and if he doesn't if child giving birth to a child isn't what God had for you then praise God, he's got another way to lock you down to priorities. You are freer, as Paul says in 1st or 2nd Corinthians. You are freer to serve God with your time. But if it hadn't been for my kids, I'd be in a different place. Mm, ab- absolutely would be in a different place. Who knows? Oh, shudder to think. Who knows? Praise God for kids. Peace out. Again, thanks for listening. Catch the next part of this series, usually Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. You can also find Underground Crowds on Twitter, Patreon, Bandcamp, or undergroundcrowds.com.